Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Yes, I can hear you, Skylar. Can Yay, you hear everyone? I can. Hear Hi. I can. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Yeah. Oh, hi, Ducky. Okay, That's wait. Skylar's dog, There's Ducky. Skylar. Yes. Yes. Hello. Hi. This is, my, this is Ducky. This is my dog, Ducky. He's going to oh, join us probably. Oh, and I'm still hearing. I have my headphones on, but. Okay, so Skylar, and tell me your name again. Megan. Megan. Okay, hi. Yes. Nice to meet you. My dog wants to join. There we go. Okay. Yeah, mine nice. always does too. I understand. Like, say hi. Oh. <gasps> oh my goodness so sweet she's a sweetie this is awesome you guys nice to meet you yeah so nice Me to too. meet you i'm so excited to talk with you i'm so glad that you reached out i and totally also... listened to it <laughs> oh great oh no <laughs> not have i was the like i forgive you in advance <laughs> thank you listen i just want to be they i don't think they wrote y'all well I think that it was a, I think it was not a strong writing episode. They were trying a tone. It was a weird one. It didn't suit anybody. Yeah. And, and you guys like kind of like actually got it because obviously if you're like hardcore boy meets world, you know, followers, then, you know, it, that's why when I was like listening to your podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to write them and be like, okay, this is what <laughs> actually happened. And I love that you're like, the those the sisters were good the other two sisters not same <laughs> i was like excuse me <laughs> yeah that was uh and, not, and like, not the best acting. our best look <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's definitely it's definitely i think mostly like a dialogue thing because i just re-listened to it because i was like oh my god how bad was it how bad was it, it was and it Okay, Skylar was worse than me. I'm going to throw no. him under the bus. It's okay. <laughs> Look, listen, like everybody's entitled to their opinion. If I was 12, 15, I would have been like totally butthurt. But I was like, they, yeah, <laughs> they don't understand like what happened. And it's just, it's funny because mm -hmm. like, I was just laughing. I was like, I was the only one with acting experience prior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get into like all of the Boy Meets World stuff, I just want to hear a little bit about your background because I was um doing some googling of course before this and just yeah. I'm very curious on like how you got started because then you also went on to do um more like you have a very extensive background as far as like your IMDB page and then also you did a lot of live musicals and shows yeah. and touring and things like yeah. that so I'm very interested to hear how you got into all of that well I was five when I started mm -hmm. and so I started locally obviously I'm, I'm from Los Angeles well out, a suburb outside of Los Angeles, but okay. locally in my hometown. And I started in ballet and just, you know, like all that stuff you do when you're little, but mm -hmm. I had a love for singing that I didn't discover. Like my dance teacher, like actually discovered I could sing. And she really was the one that encouraged me to get into musical theater so, cause my parents are teachers. They had no idea about show business <laughs> at all. So I got in and I was like a really shy kid. So like for me, like performing on stage was kind of like my world of uh, like make believe and not really seeing the audience. And, and so I was able to like, just come alive on stage that and, and, and be seen differently. Most people were like, but she's so shy. Where did this come from? <laughs> and so, um, so 
I started a musical theater, did a lot of theater. I got my equity card when I was really little. Um, and then out of one of the shows I did, um, you know, like I was doing Fiddler on the Roof and there was older people in the show. And so mm -hmm. one of the agents of one of the, my cast members was there and to see her and therefore she saw me and was like, you should be doing commercials. And I didn't know you got paid for that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I can get Barbies. Amazing. And so <laughs> that was like, you know, the goal when you're like six. And so um, I got into TV that way. So I was always doing theater because I could sing and dance, but um, started doing TV. So I did commercials and a lot of voiceovers for cartoons, but because I could sing, I did a lot of jingles. Um, and then, and because I'm Hispanic, I would do jingles in both English and Spanish. So I was meeting always a lot of music producers um, that way, um, doing these jingles and, and, and cartoon voices. Um, and then booked my very first TV show as a series regular when I was a tween. Um, it was like the first Latin based comedy sitcom called Sanchez of Bel-Air, um, which also um, Screen Actors Guild, it's like kind of a thing. It's like called the Sanchez Law because it was like the first cable TV show, like like original cable TV show. So there's like um, wow. the producers had to create this, like, you know, when it's the first, it's like, well, how do you pay people and how do you do royalties and residuals and all this stuff? So um, it's called the Sanchez Law because of the show I was on and that lasted nice. a season. Then I reoccurred on my two dads, which Michael Jacobs, same showrunner, creator, mm -hmm. producer of Boy Meets World, was the creator, producer, uh, head writer of that show. So him and I have a history prior to Boy Meets World because um, okay. I was the girl's best friend on my two dads first season and a half. So I did a lot of episodic, a lot of guest starring, a lot of pilots, but as much as I love acting, I love performing and mm -hmm. singing especially. And so when I was like in high school, you know, um, met, again, met a lot of music producers, um, mm -hmm. put together a girl band, which ended up becoming Nobody's Angel. And, yeah. um, and then that's, that's kind of how it all started, you know, like, um, sure. that sign to Disney. Um, now the reason Boy Meets World came about is because, mm -hmm when we got signed to Disney Hollywood records, Michael Eisner, the president of uh, all of Disney was like, these girls need a TV show. And, so, <laughs> and that was part Sounds of the very reason, Disney, right? Like, um, and, and they were, we are also called the Guinea pigs there because it was like the first of what they call like 360 or um, where it's like, not only are you going to be an artist, but we're going to form uh, like, like we're going to be synergized every, everything that is Disney, whether it's the record, the TV, the whatever platform Disney has, we're going to quote unquote, exploit it for our artists or whoever we sign. Right. So we were right. Like, yeah. The earliest it. one of that, because it yes. was very successful in like 2005. <laughs> yeah. Like, so we were the guinea pigs. They got, they got it right a couple years after us. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah. That's but, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like, these girls need a TV show. And that's part of the reason why we actually signed with Disney because we had mm -hmm. other interests and other labels, but, um, because of like the vision that the bigger vision we had, we wanted to be like, you know, I guess like the monkeys, you know, like where it's like, 
a show based on a group and but it's scripted so that was kind of our thing and um so he the most successful show like abc had so many successful shows one being boy meets world and i think mm-hmm. it was like dinosaur they were all created by the michael jacobs right so he was like <laughs> the hot showrunner and so um they held a meeting for for us you know once we were signed and um i remember meeting him and he was like oh my god i know ali but my name at the time was my full name is Elitza, but they they shortened it but mm-hmm. um he was like oh my god we did my two dads and um because he had only heard the music and only was like you gotta see this girl girl group nobody's angel so he sat down to like really get to know us. Like if he's going to create something, he really wanted to get to know who we were as individuals. And it just so happened that Sarah's family at the time was sadly going through a separation divorce. And Mm. she started crying when she was in the meeting. And then he felt like, so like, like connected to her at the time because she's telling her side of the story yet in his own family life, he was going through a divorce too. And he has a kid around mm-hmm. Sarah's age and a younger kid. So it was like this whole mm-hmm. connection. So like the wheels started turning and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, like, cause it was me and Amy Sue, the lead singer of um, Nobody's Angel. And like the song, actually I, the original version of I Can't Help Myself is, it does sound, you know, sonically the sort of the same, but the way it was formatted was very different because mm-hmm. it was prior to, this possible TV show or whatever. And so therefore, once he was like, okay, I have this vision, this is the song I wanna use. He also wanted to use another song, Um, but we had to re-sing the song to kind of fit what he was envisioning. And um, so therefore that's the version that ended up on the album. But he was like, so we, so we were supposed to have our own TV show, which we had, everything was like, in the process of being done, we had um, our deal already set and that was going to be like our spinoff. Like, how do we introduce these girls, you know? So that was going to be the, the launch of, um, cause I think it came out prior. Yeah. The song came out prior to the album being launched. So I think it was like November, mm-hmm. December, and our album was launched in February. So that was mm-hmm. like the big, you know, um, the big launch into to nationwide before social media, right? So that's kind of like how yeah. a lot of people, like when people think of us, they're like, oh, the, the girls that were on Boy Meets World. But <laughs> because he was trying to, so like our deal, our TV show is supposed to be with ABC Family. Mm-hmm. And they were really trying to age it up and trying to do all these things with ABC Family. So the tone of our show was going to be more like a dramedy because that's kind of like the direction of where things were going. So, but, you know, it was a chance, a a different risk, I think, for the writers too, because it was like a new writer that wrote that particular episode. And there was so many colored changes in the script. Like you get your white script, right? And then like by... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by film day, Friday, if you have like, it's like a rainbow of changes of pages, right? And so you're like, oh my God. And the thing is, is like, I think they were like just testing things out and they didn't want it to be like the, 
the but um bum kind of sitcom way mm-hmm. of delivery. They wanted it to be like like real and just quiet and like it was like like soap opera, you know, like they were trying, sure, they were really yeah. going for it. So and again, it was so many changes and changes like like literally as we're filming in front of a live audience. And then of course things maybe weren't working in front of the live audience. So they're like, okay, let's try it this way. Let's try, you know, so that's probably what you guys like saw from watching mm-hmm. that episode. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. Very interesting. Yeah. We definitely picked up on the different tone of it. And we had just come off of a streak of Boy Meets World episodes in particular that um, were really funny and like kind of goofy and like a lot of like Ben Savage just being kind of goofy and um, some more serious Ryder Strong moments, obviously, because his dad had just passed um, uh, or I should say Sean's dad yeah. had passed, not Ryder's dad. Not, not real dad, um, but <laughs> yes, TV dad, but, yeah. TV dad. We had come off of all these like really kind of goofy episodes um, or this very flip, very serious moment, serious acting with uh, Ryder and Matthew Lawrence. And so it was just very interesting, this like different take on um, the tone of the episode. And then as soon as you reached out and you were like, oh, it was supposed to be our spinoff. I was like, that makes (laughs) so much sense. That makes so much sense now because it just didn't like. It, it worked, but it definitely felt like a vessel for you guys. And yeah. I was like, it's interesting that we don't see them again in the show or since the show never came to fruition for you guys, I feel like out of, out of time now, a piece out of time, you can definitely tell the difference, but like the fact that you were supposed to have a spinoff after that yeah. makes, to- makes it make sense to makes me. It and I, I like yeah. I love that it makes sense to me now. (laughs) Really interesting. Like, I don't know what the, the, you know, the timing behind the scenes is what it is. They're like on the middle of such a serialized bit of storytelling on Boy Meets World. That's like also decidedly different for them than a lot of the other episodic storytelling. Cause like they're tracing these through lines over several episodes that they don't usually play with. And then, decide again to like backdoor pilot you guys in the middle yeah. of it. <laughs> it's, it's like well, that's a lot of balls in the air at once right <laughs> yeah you know i'm sure like they're trying to figure how to make it all work and then if the show were to you know like if it moved forward like the only reason our show didn't move forward well like it's something like i've actually never talked about but like that that's like a whole entire podcast in itself but like you know it's a it is the a business right and you know a lot of greed came into play with behind the scene producers also uh, the fact that abc family changed the direction and when they changed the direction and like their president we had to get reapproved by the new president which we did and then at the time they're like oh we kind of want to do more of this direction so like because we had Mm -hmm. two different show deals one with our first and one with our second album so there's just like so much you know that goes behind mm-hmm. the scenes that people you know never know about unless you know we're doing this kind of stuff but yeah. um yeah like the writer's character and Ben's character obviously were supposed to like segue probably in and out like of the mm-hmm. actual um our actual show but yeah well that is and how is, yeah. oh go ahead Skylar sorry <laughs> uh no no you have, you had a question lined up do it <laughs> I was just going to say, what was it, what was it like working with, uh, Ryder and Ben? Oh, they're so great. Um, Ryder is 
very, he's very quiet. He's like, but super nice guy, Mm -hmm. super, um, he's been doing it forever. Like we've remained friends. He's just a really outstanding guy who like never let fame ever get to him. And, um, he's just so down to earth, but like when we were there, it was definitely a family. Ben's hilarious. Like who he is on screen is who he is in person. And so it's like, that's just him, you know? And, um, but they were all very, um, you, it's just a family. Like we felt like we were just coming into a family and we were like being hosted for like a week, you know, mm-hmm. and it was fun. And we were all like around the same age. So we just, we had so much fun. And the, the writers, like some of them I knew, cause it's like, you know, LA Hollywood is so small. So like Michael Jacobs likes to work with a lot of the same people and mm-hmm. act. The funny thing is, is his co-creator, April Kelly, um, that's just how small of a world it is, was the creator and executive producer of my TV show, Sanchez of Bel Air. So it's like, like this huge circle. And then she was going to be the creator and showrunner for our second TV show. Cause originally we were going to have one on ABC and then that was with Michael Jacobs. And then for a second album, we were tied in with ABC family. So um, April was going to run run that show so it's just weird how crazy and small the world is but um it was fun it was so fun and I know the girls in my band were really nervous because none of them had acting experience before and Mm. not like Amy Sue had theater experience she's the older of the sister like the blonde sisters uh on tv they're not sisters in real life though um but Amy Sue had theater experience but nobody had TV experience. Nobody had been on a set as far as an actress before. So, um, so yeah, so that was, uh, like, I'm sure nerves were flying so high for them, you know, cause it's also in front of a live audience and you do two shows on the Friday. And again, like I mentioned, like constant changes. And I think probably the most changes of like probably their scripts, because it was, the tone was so different. It was um, just, they were trying new things. I think they were trying to be like, cause I think not that sitcom was phasing out like that 90s, that whole nineties feel of sitcoms. And now we're moving into, you know, the Y2K. And so I feel like, like the, uh, uh, not Gossip Girl, what's the Gilmore Girls, like that whole mm-hmm. dramedy, feel, CW dramedy. Like, I think they were trying to make it that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you have a name for your show? Was your, it was probably going to be Nobody's Angel, recording. like under no- okay. Nobody's Angel. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Both shows were never titled title because everything is always like down to the wire. They could change, mm-hmm. like, it could have a title and then the next thing it's like, they're changing it yeah. as they're putting it up on air, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So then did you meet your other, uh, bandmates through the label or did you all know each other prior to, we all knew uh, each other prior. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Sarah and Stacy knew each other from dance. There's, um, mm-hmm. actually it just closed down during 
the pandemic. Oh no. Uh, Edge. Um, there's a big studio out here called Edge and mm-hmm. they, one, uh, Sarah's originally from Michigan. Stacy originally is from Washington. And so they mm-hmm. all came out here um, right out of like, well, in and out of high school. So during summer, they'd come here for like intense dance training. And then, mm-hmm. um, then right out of high school, they, um, they actually moved here. So we all, and then I knew Amy Sue prior from doing theater stuff. So, um, yeah, like it was, and then again, the producers that were the producers and also songwriters of our first album, mm-hmm. um, I had met doing different, you know, things throughout, um, like voiceovers and jingles and stuff like that. Nice. Very nice. I was uh, always curious about, um, what, what kind of happened as far as, um, cause you guys were popular through boy meets world. And then also I remember sitting as uh, a little girl and watching your music video for, um, the 102 Dalmatians movie, like yeah, over yeah. and over. I was obsessed with that do? song. <laughs> yes. I love that song. And so I just would watch the music video and then, cause it was on the end of the VHS. Yeah. And so then I'd rewind it and I just watch it again and I'd rewind it and I'd watch oh. it again. I loved that movie, but I also just loved that song so much. Oh, so thanks. That was a good was song. Like, yeah, it was a great song. That was a great good film, song. great song. That so was, you guys got to do a lot of soundtrack work, it looked like, right? With we, with Disney. We did. So we got signed in 98. Yeah, 98. And literally, I think two months, we had the contracts hadn't even gone through yet. Like they were being negotiated. They said, um, we have a song that needs to be remade for the Parent Trap album or the Parent Trap movie. Do you guys want to do it? We're like, yes. And so that was kind of like our introduction. So we hadn't even signed our names officially on the dotted line uh, and hadn't even begun working uh, on our first album. So that was our first introduction, I think, ever. Like, I just remember like all the teeny beat. Uh, teen beat teeny bopper magazines like started interviewing us at that time um and then trying to think of the other ones we received a gold record for two of our songs on the princess diaries album or movie um so we did an original and then we did a remake of salt and pepper um so ain't nothing but a she thing i think that's what it was (laughs) um so yeah that was fun and yeah we did a lot um we also, uh, what was the other, Justin um, Timberlake had a movie, uh, Model Behavior, which was like a Disney original. Mm, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. So we did. Oh. Yeah, we did. Oh, I Can't Help Myself and Wishing on You, which is was actually Michael Jacobs' favorite song. He wanted actually that to be the original song on Boy Meets World, mm-hmm. but it's pretty much just me singing with some parts of Amy Sue singing. So it wasn't more like a group sounding sound. So Mm. then that's why it went to, I can't help myself, Um, which then therefore, because it was on Boy Meets World, technically that would have been like our second single that came out. Um, So yeah. Did you guys choreograph your own dances or do you guys have, was they hired on choreographer? We did what prior to getting our deal. 
So prior to getting our deal, because Stacy and Sarah are such amazing dancers, like, Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like, we were like, kind of like little in-house, like, we're like, yeah, we can do it all ourselves if we have to kind of, you know, so like, um, she, we, they would choreograph all of our numbers. So like our, our songs that we would present when we would showcase for all, uh, record labels, um, were choreographed by them, but then, um, I can't help myself. I'm trying to remember. So I don't forget and credit the wrong person. I think that was choreographed by Jamie King who at the time was like the choreographer, um, did everybody from Madonna, um, maybe even Janet, like he worked with everybody. Fatima. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great choreo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah, so they, they he, he did that one and Fatima who now directs so many people but start off as a dancer choreographer did or if you want to dance choreography for um, mm-hmm. our first song. Yeah. Nice. So nice. <laughs> um, so you guys just restarted your, I do want to ask about Twinkle Time because I'm very uh, interested in hearing what you're up to nowadays. But as far as Nobody's Angel goes, you guys just restarted, or oh, I should say opened like an, an Instagram page in the last yeah. year. I remember seeing that. Um, does this mean that you, well, at the end of 2019, (laughs) was it 2019? Yeah. So I think I was doing something for my friend, Jenny, who was the second edition of nobody's angel. Cause we had a Mm -hmm. little turnover in nobody's angel. And so her and I, she's from California dreams. Her and I became like, we were friends, like when we were nine. So Mm -hmm. I asked her to join. Um, and she put together California dreams had like a reunion show here in LA in like April of 2019. Yeah. Cause it was prior to the pandemic. So 2019 and what, and so I was like, okay, I'll do backups for you guys, whatever. So, uh, we, and it was really successful and um there was people from like live nation and like other kind of touring you know um and ryan cabrera was also like a singer in this california dreams um because i think aaron jackson was like no i can't make a sit so like i think ryan cabrera was like oh i'll do it you know i'll sing Mm -hmm. so um his eight because he's on like some pop 2000 tour or something that goes around Mm -hmm. and does, does different cities so his people came up to me and Live Nation. They're like, we're huge Nobody's Angel fans. Like, have you ever thought about putting yourself? Th-? I was like, oh my God, like I'm the <laughs> only one that still does stuff, you know, like yeah. everybody else, like it's like that chapter of their life closed and now mm-hmm. they're like full-time mamas and, you know, they have kids and mm-hmm. like Sarah lives in Canada, like everybody's everywhere, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even know, like, how that would happen, you know? Like, yeah. Um, I go, that's something I got to think about. They're like, oh my God, you should totally do it. So at the end of 2019, probably, and some people I hadn't talked to in years, mm-hmm. like a long, like we're talking years. So I decided to reach out to everybody and I'm like, to the OG, the OG mm-hmm. and nobody's angel. And I was like, what do you guys think of maybe like a reunion? And I had two automatic, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And then I had one on the fence and, 
And then, but it was also one that, you know, none of us had spoken to in a long time. And then she called back and she was like, yes, let's do it. And so I was like, really? Because like, we don't, we're not signed. So we all have to do the work as like, almost like an indie artist. Like, yeah. even though maybe some people still might remember us, like, it's almost like being an indie artist and starting all over again. That kind of scared him a little. <laughs> and I was just like, no, I mean, like, if, and so they're like, okay, let's try it. And so, and I go, let's just do maybe one show. If it's successful, we'll, you know, maybe do a couple others. So at the beginning of 2020, I decided to launch social media and just be like, cause I thought, okay, by summer we can get it together. We can find a venue. Oh. We can get Ryan Cabrera and other boy bands that from, you know, and then March, of, March 8th of 2020 yeah. everything went down the hill. And I was like, Oh my God. Ah! so and everyone's like are you guys gonna still possibly i'm like i have no idea because like right who knows anymore <laughs> who knows right because it takes mm -hmm. so much and um and like my career because i'm an indie artist for kids and families now mm -hmm. came to a screeching halt and i would be the one that puts it all together because I was always like the leader that you know like yeah. put, and so I was like that's just like be losing everything as a touring artist and now things are slowly coming back it's probably like next to impossible at this current moment to mm -hmm. put another group together although I would secretly probably would love to do that you know just because <laughs> yeah. It would be kind I think I though I need we would have to have it like filmed because it, I think it would be more hilarious than anything. <laughs> because That's some fair. people have not performed in such a long oh, no. time. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, look, I, I hear you and I just gotta say I got off the train the other day in downtown Chicago. I work down near the Chicago Theater. I get off the train, I look up the marquee says big time rush, uh December fifteenth, sold out. And I no said, what? way. Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away. I was, sure I was like, get out of here. Big time rush is one back and two selling out the Chicago theater, apparently. So I think the audience is there. All right. I think. You guys... I mean, I think it's like nostalgia, you know, like, yeah. like I think that's like when California, I saw my friends in California dreams and I was like, people, it like brings them back to however old they were, but it's just like a good memory. It's something fun. And I'm like, even if it was just a couple shows, not like we're going to be making albums or who knows, maybe, I don't know. But like, I, and we have like a whole second album that never even like ever was released. And I was like, Oh God, it would be so fun. But it's yeah. just so much work, especially when you don't have um, you know, a company, you know, and it's on, it's on your own dime. Um, and unless like, I don't know, like live nation or somebody decides, Hey, well, we're going to put this together. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Hey, you never know. Could be. Did you, yeah. and I, did you the watch the Peacock girls five Eva TV <laughs> show that they made? Cause like it honestly, I, the show is great. And I, it's also like makes a lot of fun at those people. And I'm not saying it'd be like that for you all, but well, the funny it. thing is Amy <laughs> Sue sent us, I hadn't watched it, but she uh -huh. was like, you have to watch it. She sent a picture and she's like, this is you, this is Sarah. And it's like, <laughs> like, it's so like, I mean, it's conceptually alone. very similar. It's like, yes, you know, yes. 98 
girl group crushes it with a couple singles yeah. gets like a quick launch fades out and then like, I'm like I have hard. to I have to watch it and it's, it's Tina a lot Faye of was fun. attached right like Tina Fey, yeah. Tina Fey uh executive produced and then yeah. Sarah Bareilles and Renee Lee Goldsberry are both and uh Busy Phillips and oh, I gotta watch uh, it yeah it's a blast I mean it's an it's a great cast it's like got that quick Tina Fey humor throughout uh it's a blast. It. yeah and it's conceptually it. like Almost as if it were a mockumentary of what you're describing. <laughs> oh my God. Like the stories that we have, oh my God, is a show, you know, in itself. So I'm sure, I'm I'm sure they talked to somebody, you know, that went through it because every girl group I'm sure goes through the same thing. Like mm-hmm. when girl groups get together now, I'm like, hmm, I give it a year. <laughs> Two. She's going to go solo. <laughs> Like you could just just tell, Mm -hmm. you know, like once you've been in it, because like, even though like what you guys saw, just like, maybe it seems like a blip, like we'd been working since 95, 96. Mm -hmm. And then like, we got, um, dropped from our label in 2002 that ended like almost 2003 Mm. so you know um but prior to that you know actually it's probably a little before that it's like you know you you make demos you and then it's like the hurry up and wait game game Mm. like where you're like oh but it's been six months why hasn't anybody called you know so it's like I think maybe it's like yeah it's it's been it was a while it was a, a chunk of time that and then of course the record company chunk of time is smaller but yeah yeah did you guys have a and lot then of you went on oh, oh no, you go, say? Ahead, go ahead Skylar no no no, no it's more fun. yeah no, no. I was mine was gonna be a, a bratty question about com- competition I love bratty questions. Um, go ahead okay I would just love to hear about like obviously 98 is like every boy band and girl group is basically at the peak of their game at that point it's like the bubble's getting ready to burst on it and so like what was that like I don't know. I imagine like just walking down crowded hallways of like girl group passes boy band. And like, is it friendly? Is it like pretend friendly, but we actually view you as intense competition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think it's a little both. So like we didn't even, so we got signed in 98, but we didn't start touring until the end, the summer of 1999. So like our big stride was, 2000 really like the summer of 1999 Mm -hmm. into 2000 and 2001 was like so like when I think of stuff I think oh more like Y2K because 98 like we hadn't even signed our name on a dotted line it just so happened that Parent Mm -hmm. Trap came out um but when we started touring like obviously lots of every record company wanted their version of Spice Girls right um, so that's like, so then it became so, so many groups, so many manufactured groups. And I think that what hurt us. So yeah, so we were friends with some groups, you know, some, um, but again, you don't spend a lot of time. Like the only time we spent was like, um, cause we opened up for Britney. So we got to know like the 18s or Aaron Carter when he was little and oh. somewhat innocent, <laughs> Um, but almost somewhat, he was, he was wise above his years, but, um, Mm -hmm. but like our Backstreet Boys, because we opened up for them. And also AJ did like this whole, um, this whole solo thing, like, um, Johnny, no name. So we opened up for all his dates on that. So, um, 
we knew more boy bands um, than girl bands, but the girl bands that would we, we'd come across like Dream, we are total good friends with, even though they were a competition and they had um, Puffy who was putting so much money into building them and, um, and just getting their stuff out there. But we also, like it was us and them on tour with Britney. So like we got to know each other really well. Um, but then all, like there was other groups like Innocence that was like the Justin Timberlake. Um, we kind of knew them, but not really. Um, so like you don't really get to know, know people because um, you're always traveling all the time. Um, but yeah, I hope I answered the question. <laughs> no, that was great. I, I read this book um, a couple months ago. That was this delight. It was called Large than life that's like a definitive history of boy bands and it gets like into so much of this like caddy directness between the, some of the these caddy is probably so it was just like a really interesting like, your own group the cattiness i think that's yeah. where the caddy comes yeah. from yeah. Yeah. yeah like i think like the funny thing is is no matter how caddy and petty your own little inner circle because also too you spend so much time on a tour bus like it's just mm -hmm. like you're on a tour bus 24 seven and you have nowhere to go. Like you're traveling across the country for thousands and thousands of miles. But when you get off the tour bus, no matter what happens on the tour bus, like now it's us against them. So it's like, we're here to rock it. We're going to bring it and we're going to do a, a rock and show no matter what was happening. Like when we got off the bus or prior mm -hmm. to getting off the bus. That's awesome. Yeah. Megan, sorry, I interrupted whatever you asked earlier. <laughs> I honestly don't remember, but now I have a new question because yeah. I, when you said that you toured with Britney, that made me, uh, that just reminded me that you did. And so what was, what was that like? What was going on tour with, with Britney Spears? Like that had to be. It was bananas. Fun. It was her, as we all know, her fans are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the oops, I did it again. So it was like, huge budgets, tons of bus and trucks. And, but I will say remembering now, it was also a sad time for me to see Brittany because she was also isolated from all of us. She would have dinner by herself and we all had like, it, it was just sad because I think that was when they started pulling her away from her dancers and anybody that was maybe considered um, like a bad influence or whatever. Because um, as you know, like, you know, certain dancers might get into her head about certain things. And, you know, she was like, we're all young, but, you know, maybe easily influenced. So her and her, um, I guess, tour manager, best friend, Felicia, like they were always together, but like we never all sat and ate dinner mm -hmm. together it was all the other bands and crew and dancers but hers was always separate and I do remember that but we all did there were times where we got to hang out and she was so fun so kind um and but yeah I I like thinking back I was like yeah she never sat and ate dinner with us so yeah mm. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it's, it, honestly, it's like it's a it's a lonely life. Like if right. you think about it, like especially if you're a solo artist, like everybody sees the glitz and the glamour that's portrayed on social or whatever. But 
unless you have like a good team around you or good musicians, that's why your dancers become family, your musicians band become family. But if nobody gets along, it really is isolating and so sad. And that's why like a part of me loved also getting off the bus and, and hanging out with dream because it was like new people or I like, I was like such a social butterfly that I would get to know the people that were there that were there to see us. And I hate saying the word fans because you end up becoming friends with these people. I'm friends with like some people that have been following me for like over 20 years and now have children and those kids now follow me, you know, like, it's just crazy. It's like, like, I really wanted to get to know the people that like, like allow us to like live our dream, you know? Mm -hmm. So obviously you can't meet everybody, but there are always people that come to all your shows or they like they live in Chicago and then all of a sudden you see them in Texas and you're like wait a second you know like how did you oh my god like they're that diehard and and supportive you know so um yeah that's very now, are you I you said that's um, a really fun thing <laughs> you said that you know some of the other girls in the group they're Mamas and whatnot. Are you? Do you have a family? Are you married or have kids or anything? I'm just curious. I'm married. Um, I married James Dallas from the boy band Youngstown. (laughs) We were. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) We were label mates, and um, and so yeah, we've been together this whole time, um, and we create and work together in what I currently, what my AKA now is, um, but no kids. Um, but I, in, in turn, uh, inspire kids on a daily with what I do. So that feels like a great segue. I would love to hear more about Twinkle Time. I'm so curious. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I just want to know all about it. <laughs> so Twinkle Time, that's my AKA. Um, I'm, it's funny, like I'm, I've been coined from like a lot of like family uh, magazines, reviewers, whatever, New York Times as like a Lady Gaga, like like a Lady Gaga, but for kids and families. Mm-hmm. So, um, but independent, I, you know, totally independent. Um, 10 years ago now. Um, so after Nobody's Angel was done, I went back into auditioning, went back into doing like more Broadway national tours, did TV episodic stuff. And still, I was still singing. I almost had a almost solo deal as a, you know, a crossover English Spanish artist, Mm. but some of my side hustles, um, I, you know, you have to have your side hustles in LA. Um, cause everybody thought we were, you know, huge making money making, but like, that's not the case, you know, like you make money, but you're also a young person paying your own bills. Right. So like, and especially living in LA money does, you know, like (laughs) it's expensive. So I had a lot of side hustles. I was teaching kids, um, musical theater, singing, dancing, acting like all over Los Angeles, um, everywhere. And also at one time was, Uh, working for companies that, you know, like they send Cinderella's out or doors and I'd be like, and people would still recognize me. They're like, you look really familiar. Where do I know you from? And I'm like, (laughs) Dora at the park somewhere. And I'm like, why (laughs) am I doing this? (laughs) Um, But then, but, but I loved working with kids so much. 
And at the time, I think Wiggles was like super popular. Yo Gabba Gabba was like kind of making its way in. And I was like, oh my God. And my, my students would be like, you know, Miss Ellie, can you play this or whatever? And I was like, why do we have to listen to this again? And some of it was not that great, you know? And so I was just like, okay, like I act, I sing, I dance, I write, and I'm super theatrical. I'm like, why can't I implement all of that into something amazing for kids? And, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't listening to like pop rock EDM, none of that. Like, at least, you know, when I was listening, I was like, it's like the same kind of structure, same kind of like folky kind of sound, like, like what you imagine indie music to be for kids. And so I started I went to my husband, Dallas, and he was like, oh, I don't do kids music, you know, because he was working on his solo projects and everything. So I started writing with somebody else. That's like my writing mentor. And she's like, oh, I think this is like a perfect vehicle for you. And I didn't know what would become of it or what I would end up doing. It was just something like, you know, they say in LA, always like while you're waiting for your auditions or whatever to create something to like, you know, do it yourself. And I was like, what is that going to be, you know? And so I started doing this and put my money up and put it up in a little like, you know, black box theater in North Hollywood and hoped people would come. People came, I got some footage and then just started like agenting myself and cold calling and being like, I got the show, you know, like, <laughs> like you got to book it. That's the hottest thing ever. And all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, like it starts growing in Los Angeles. And um, like originally it started off as a musical, but that's expensive for people that just maybe want a singer to come and entertain for kids. Right. So um, I like did more like a concert version, which works really well. And sometimes it's me live to track with dancers or sometimes it's my full band. It got to the point five years in, like all of a sudden we're like all up and down California. Now people all over the States like are booking it. Like, so I do everything from like performing art centers to, to headlining at state fairs, county fairs, um, library schools family any family music festival um so like i've just released like my fourth album and i do it in english and spanish so it's like everything that i wanted to do as an artist like i always imagined myself to be like a cool like like i don't know like a pop artist like on i don't know some big magazine but now i'm like a cool artist for kids and families and it and i'm giving them like the sounds that we probably all love listening to like Gaga music, Dua Lipa, like you name it. It's like, that's what they're getting sonically, but they're getting like inspirational messages. No disrespect to Cardi B, but like no four-year-olds should be listening to <laughs> her lyrics. <laughs> you know, but like I'm giving them that coolness, but with, you know, dream big or hey it's okay to be you you know like so that's that's what I'm doing and um and it like I was doing over 300 days a year before the pandemic and and I was supposed to be in China and Japan which took like five years to book um last year during the pandemic I know like everything came to screeching halt so then it was just like okay how do you revamp for what's happening to still be, maybe you're not making money the way you used to, 
Um, because, you know, as an artist, touring artist, you make money when you're touring, but like, how do you like transition? How do you, you know, revamp? So I started live streaming and created a radio show for kids and just started, it gave, it allowed me to be able to put out more content, um, produce stuff, um, as a, cause I had just had so much time. So yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm doing. So I think touring is start, like I started touring again this summer in like little pockets. Um, and so it gave, it gave, I think not just me, but any indie artist hope. I think it was a lot harder. It's still harder for the family kids space, just because there's certain like performing arts centers, like haven't like, oh, the kids and the the boosters and whatever, you know, but it's coming back because I have my first performing arts center show um, in March of 2022. So I think everything's going to start slowly coming back, but um, yeah, so that's, yeah, go if you have kids, if you're an aunt, mom, dance studios, um, it's like it's cool stuff for kids. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I I mean that's I have a big like educational theater background is largely like what a lot of my bread and butter was before the pandemic too. Um, and that I did that and I worked for like the children's museum and I like created music programs at the children's museum in Chicago and whatnot um oh. and so like yeah i mean i love all that yeah i used to write um this is like right when i moved to chicago when i was like 21 22 years old i like wrote and directed tya uh some theater for young audiences shows and like for a company yes. and we toured them around uh to suburban libraries and art centers and schools um so i mean that's awesome yeah I, it's funny too when i was younger i had like these big aspirations of like working on the next great american drama and then like i found myself doing you know, like delightful retellings of the ugly duckling. <laughs> was like, but you know what? It's so cool. Like, I never imagined to be a pop star with orange hair and a heart on my face and a tutu. But you know what? Uh -huh. Like, it's it's cool. I get to be. Yeah. I get to do what I want to do, right? And that's so awesome. Like, we should chat after. And are you still? Yeah, no, it's fun. I I haven't had a chance to do basically any of it with the pandemic. So. Right. No, not at the moment, but yeah, I, I used to write and direct these TYA shows. And then uh, I created, like I said, I created a program for the Children's Museum. And then I also would like play, um, play music. Like we had a, this place called Kidville that closed okay. bankrupt, oh. but they, uh, <laughs> pandemic, right? So then, but for them, I did, we did a rock and railroad, which was like a 45 minute show for like kids and families every like Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. And each, you know, like I had a script and a set but we changed the set every week to like this week's ABBA week and we're playing ABBA songs. And this week is nineties uh, boy band week. And so we're playing, it was a, oh my God, it. it was a great, I, I love that job it. so much. <laughs> that I was awesome. I love it. That's yeah. fun. So I have like huge respect for people that take on like high quality children's music and theater and programming. Cause like it's, I've, I've done a lot of it and I've played and listened and read a lot of it. And I've been like, so much of this is bad. <laughs> so much of this is clearly, people like by machine generating content that will appeal enough to yeah, sell and, and the it's thing like not, too not is tried like, hard like disney nickelodeon that like have like a grasp on everything right like i feel like this is like a new day and age that you can be a content creator and be successful and get your point across and be cool right like because 
a lot, like a lot of Disney shows or Nickelodeon shows or just other people, sometimes like, like being on the road, you kind of know what works. Like if they're sitting in their cubicle, they might have kids, but they, they're not hitting all the demographics all around the country. You like, they don't know what works sometimes, you know? So I think like, it's interesting to have like that perspective too. Like, um, cause I've like evolved over the years. I've made it a little bit more older sounding and just changed because also with technology over the years, cause I've been doing it now for 10 years, like kids grow up faster. Like four and five-year-olds are almost tweens now, <laughs> like with <laughs> technology of TikTok, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, I, I love working with kids and, um, and I, again, never thought I'd be, I didn't think that this would be where my life would take me, but I went with the, like, I was just one of those people like, okay, I'm just going to go with the flow and wherever mm -hmm. life takes me, that's where I'm going. But what you mentioned something about, you know, making high quality content. I'm like, why can't kids have high quality content that is cool? Because what the feedback that I've gotten from so many people is that you're the first concert my kid and us as a family have attended like because they're babies like I used to have like Gwen Stefani Zuma's son and niece like at all my shows like like they're running to not miss the show at the Grove you know and like I attended the Grammys like in 2019 and her brother who like films all her behind the scenes is like twinkle and I was like <laughs> anybody else seeing this moment right now because when <laughs> Stefani's brother just said twinkle you're huge in our house I was like that's right <laughs> and I'm like I can I'm like does Gwen Stefani like literally rock out to like my songs like how cool is that <laughs> like you never that know, awesome. right? you know yeah no that's amazing for sure yeah, is when I when I started writing for this company, there was some before me who clearly had like the opposite mentality. It was like ah, just like put in some some quick jokes and some easy songs and do a lot of slapstick nonsense, and you'll get away with it at the end of the day. It'll be good enough. I was like, that's such a like that's terrible. They're, they're not like gerbils. <laughs> they can understand quality. They're smart. Content. They're very yeah. smart. They deserve Kids are good. Smarter. Yeah. yeah, and mm -hmm. and they also know like when you're phoning it in and when yeah, really, they know when you're not trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really do. <laughs> they're they're, and they're like, I think the harshest critic, cause like adults could be like political, be like, that was, you were on that stage girl, but like you could have sucked, you know, like, but kids right. would be like, this is, this is horrible. Like they'll li yeah. literally tell you. So. Oh yeah. I, I nannied for June, 2020 to June, 2021. That was my pandemic survival kind of gig here yeah um and so it was a seven uh, a six and a three-year-old and uh yeah i was told on many occasions how bad of a dancer i was by <laughs> this six-year-old and not like she wasn't trying to be mean she was just telling it like it was <laughs> um, you mean you didn't get this but i did right? not i didn't get it now no, for sure and she would like she would try to get me like let's learn a tiktok dance together and be like well you think i'm a terrible ass dancer <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. oh but it was good. It was good fun. I'm I'm gonna go see those. I don't nanny them anymore, but I still I teach the seven year old piano, so I'm going over there tomorrow and I might we might have to go look check you out. Do you have a is there a website we can find Twinkle Time at yes. either way? Um Twinkle Time Official. Um I should have everything updated, but my YouTube channel is also Twinkle Time. 
and, and check out the music videos because that's what we've been putting out a lot, um, especially during pandemic. Like this room became, this is technically a bedroom, but it became like a virtual streaming room, production room. Like yeah. <laughs> we, our backdrops would keep going up and down and filmed everything in here. But yeah, Twinkle Time, Spotify, Twinkle Time, everything. So except that's for awesome. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely have to check that out. Yeah. For sure. It sounds like a blast. Yeah. Megan, you have anything else on that? I I mean, I kind of monopolized the Twinkle Time conversation because it really interested me. (laughs) That's okay. That's your big thing. Um, I was just going to say, if you wanted to plug anything, I mean, you were kind of plugging your twinkle time, uh, all of that is anything. And you said you have a show coming up in March of 2022. Um, is there anything else that you have been working on that you want to share? I'm trying to think, um, just, I have a new album for, but twinkle time, Um, but it's, it's super cool. It's in English and Spanish. You can find it on iTunes and stream it on Spotify, all, all the streaming and download platforms under Twinkle Time. It's both in English and Spanish. So the um, album title is A Mi Me Gusta Ser Yo or It's Okay to Be Me. So just look for that. Um, and a lot of touring dates that are being worked on for 2022. Um, okay. But I haven't announced anything yet because I don't have them all um, all yet handed to me. Um, but yeah, lots of things and I'm, and I will be traveling a lot. So, um, cause I've been traveling more than doing shows here in California. California is still kind of like, eh, California has been rough, but, yeah. um, but other States I've been traveling to. So, um, we'll see. Yeah. Like I, I'm always working on stuff. So just follow me and I'm sure I usually announce on some platform, first like what's happening but lots of stuff i'm always doing stuff that's awesome well i can't pull my foot out of my mouth enough uh for the (laughs) buffoonery and the previous conversation clearly you have things very well together so (laughs) that's on me uh (laughs) because this has been awesome it sounds like you've got a lot of awesome things going and have been having a lot of awesome things going for quite a while so it's all good. That's what I'm like. Um, <laughs> apologies. I, I, I'm totally all forgiven. I, I just okay. laughed. I was like, oh my God, I'm so, and I DM you guys. I was like, I listened. I, I want you to know, I was mortified. Megan said we got a message and I said, oh my God, I was not kind enough in this. I was definitively <laughs> not speaking as if uh, like I, like I really thought more than, more than I had about it. So again, it's okay. it, it makes apologies. for a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, listen, our listeners are going to love this because I think, uh, what they get the most out of is me looking like an idiot. No, <laughs> no. You were being honest. And again, like if I was like 15, I would have been like, oh, oh my God, but like, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. And it's, okay. it's just, but it's cool too to find like the behind the scenes too like why because i was like listening i was like yeah no they, they are right it was like a very different tone you mm-hmm. know so um yeah i i get that but like the writer yeah. for that particular i was just remembering like because everything is like full circle because i remember meeting her again um she wasn't like a writer writer she just submitted her script um and then she i think she became a staff writer probably at the very tail end but worked on Oh, what's the Allison Hannigan show with Doogie Howser? Um, 
Oh, How I Met Your Mother? Yes. So she became like a big writer on that show. Um, But that was like her first project ever. And she like submitted, it got, you know, like it got purchased and and that's Mm -hmm. how she got her foot in the door for, for writing. So um, yeah, like. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. (laughs) It was, it's a lot of firsts, you know, for for that particular episode, but um, yeah, no, this, this was so fun. So fun. Yeah, yes, thank absolutely. You thank you so much. So much. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. So excited when you reached out. I was like, oh. and then of course I told Skylar, I was like, I think we may have Allie on the show. And he was like, oh no. And so <laughs> I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. So thank you so much for reaching out. Of course. And thanks so much for coming on and yes. talking to us. I'm so excited. This will be uh, released the first week of the new year so this is going to be oh, like wow. our fun bonus ode uh to open 2022 so we're nice. excited to kick off 2022 with a there with a go. special guest star so thank you there so much there you go yeah and i'll let you know if any reunion happens we'll see yes please yeah we would and love then that. and you guys are in chicago we yes. are in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I ever come to Chicago, we'll have to like meet up in person. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. That'd be so much fun. For we'll go sure. out. We'll go. We'll take in a Twinkle Time show. We'll go grab something to eat. Oh, yes. We'll <laughs> I love it. I'm all about it. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Bye. Yes, thank you so much. For sure. Bye. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney?